Would you bow uh, with me as we pray uh, God's blessing over Jim as he jumps into this role in our church? Dear Lord, uh, we thank you uh, for the body. We thank you for all the people that are here, uh, a part of our church. Uh, and, and we ask that you would be present uh, in Jim's life um, and present in his particip participation here uh, in the church and his uh, participation on this team uh, as one of the elders. I pray that you would uh, continue to guide him and continue to guide us through him. Uh, may you be glorified uh, in our church. Uh, and in his life. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jim has been a key part of our church. He is on our life safety team, and then he also teaches a group. He's a group leader, teacher. Uh, at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning, they're going through the Bible, um, and so he's gone through several different books in, in my time since being here, and he had picked Colossians to go through before I had picked Colossians on Sunday. We were talking about the plans for this, and then uh, it was one of those like, wait, Jim, You've done a ton of research on this. How about you teach all of us about Colossians? So we gave him the best, meatiest part of Colossians, and he's going to be teaching us this morning uh, on the book of Colossians. So verse in the whole book. that's right. Take it away, Jim. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, thank you. You ever been to a convention? Any of you? You know what a convention is? Yeah? I've been to a few of them. There's a story that goes that uh, conventions going on, and it, it seems like it takes forever. And the last day, they're scheduled to, to leave at you know, 4 o'clock or whatever. And all of the first speakers take forever to do this. And time comes finally for the keynote speaker. And, man, he's just, you know, he's got about 15 minutes to do what he's supposed to do. And he sits there, and he takes his watch off, and he, he puts it on the podium. And everybody thinks, oh, wow. He's going to pay attention to time. We'll be out of here on time. Uh, an hour and a half later, as he walks back behind the stage, somebody says, I, I saw you put the watch. What? He said, oh, no, no, no. I put it face down so that it wouldn't be bothered with time. So just, uh, <laughs> I won't do that. Colossians. This book talks about Christ as the head of the body. That's us. Uh, most bodies don't do well without a head. And if you pick the wrong head, you're not going to be doing very well either. Paul writes four letters from prison. And as Pastor said last week, this, you got a picture a guy who's in prison worrying about people who are following Christ. You know, it seems to me that if I was in prison, I'd be worrying about a lot of other things. But he worries about people in, in, in the body of Christ. He writes Ephesians, which talks specifically about the body of Christ. Philippians, which is the gospel lived out in your life. And Philemon, which is the feet of the gospel. This is what you do. And then he writes Colossians. And he's never been to Colossae. Epaphras, who was the leader of that church, meets him in prison and explains what's going on in his church. And Paul writes to people he's never seen, never known, but who definitely know 
Christ and understand the gospel and are being led astray. Does that sound like 2023? The church tends to be somewhat drifting. You know, if, if you drift too far from the head, you're probably going to die. That... Verse 15. In fact, we're going to read 15 through 23. Uh, I think it's up there in the New American Standard. Uh, I'll read it in the New American Standard, but I'm going to teach it from the Amplified. So that's one of the reasons why I would take my watch off and face down. Verse 15. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure. Listen to this. It is the Father's good pleasure to all the fullness of God to dwell in him. Keep, Paul, well, let me read this and we'll come back. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of the cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engage in evil deeds, yet now he is reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him, the Father, holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, in which I, Paul, was made a minister." Back up. Verse 15. He is the exact living image. What do you suppose the exact image of something is? Is that a copy that kind of half matches? Have you ever uh, look at a, a statue of somebody? They have all these you know, famous people that have statues and you look at him sometimes and you say, he couldn't look like that. Or he doesn't look like that for somebody you've met. Well, Christ looks just like the Father because he is just like the Father. One of the neat things about being God is that you're God all the time. It, you know, I, I have a problem sometimes being who I'm supposed to be. God never does. He is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the indivisible, the firstborn, preeminent one, the sovereign, and the originator of all creation. Do you suppose that the guy who built the world has some clue as to how to run it? When I, uh, years ago, I worked for an automobile auction, and uh, we used to go, you know, prepare the cars for sale. And I'd always look for the owner's manual. And most of the vehicles that we had never had an owner's manual in the glove box. Now, they came with an owner's manual, but most people decided they didn't. The, own, the manufacturer can't possibly know what I need to know. 
I wonder if we do that. How many of you uh, have a worn-out Bible? <laughs> Wear it out, guys. That's good for you. This is the owner's manual. He said he's the exact living image, the preeminent one, the sovereign, the originator of all creation. If he built it, he probably knows how to run it. Paul, again, is making the point to the Colossians and to us that the head of this body is absolutely qualified to be the head of the body. Verse 16, for by him all things created in heaven, on earth, things visible and indivisible, were their thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created and exist through him, that is, by his activity and for him. When he made the world, he made it. And he made it for him. You suppose that we actually follow that, that we're actually believing that this world we live in was made for Christ? I wonder if we live like that. Do we live like this world isn't really mine, it's his? I'm going to leave that at that point. But well, the thrones, I mean, all things are created and exist through him. Because he, he made it, they exist by his activity, and they exist for him. Verse 17, uh, one of the most critical verses, I think, in this whole thing. He says, he himself existed and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. Have you ever wondered what would happen if he decided one time to uh, quit holding things together? You can read Revelation and find out at the end that he's kind of saying, okay, this can go. The Second World War, there was an end to that war in Japan caused by a couple of bombs dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Man has figured out how to take a couple of atoms apart. What do you suppose would happen if the head of this body said, I'm not holding together anymore. How, do you, how far do you think this universe would last if Jesus said, I'm not holding the atoms together anymore? Guys, it's critical to understand just how much in charge Christ really is for you to understand that we, as the church, need to know that he is the one we listen to. He has all the answers. All we have is questions. But the guy that has the answers is the guy who made the product. John 14, 9, you can turn it if you want. Philip comes to Jesus and said, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus looks at him and says, Philip, I've been here all this time and you haven't figured this out yet. If you've seen me You've seen the Father. He walked 33 years on this planet, and he was the image, spiritually, of who God is. He never, never lost that. He may have had to obey some of the rules that fleshly man has to obey, but he's still God. And that's part of why Paul says, He's the right guy because he was down here with us 
experienced what we would, what we experienced, and remained God through the entire thing. Verse 18, he's the head. Oop. That's about as plain as you can make it, I think. Uh, Paul says, he is the head, the life source and leader of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and preeminent in everything. He's the head. We can't operate well when we deviate from the head. Uh, it disappoints me sometimes to, uh, to some of you know I, I drive a delivery truck for parts outfit. And, uh, I'm in and out of a lot of streets in Denver and here. We have a, a supplier that I go to regularly that I have to get on Hampton Avenue from the interstate. And, uh, and I go by a building that calls itself a church that waves a big pride flag from the flagpole. And I think to myself, they call themselves a church, but they've forgotten who the head is. They're not heading in the right direction because the head they follow isn't the proper head. Christ says, Paul says that Christ is the answer. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. By the way, that does not mean that he was born at any time. That simply means that he is the preeminent one, the first to have this happen. Begin the firstborn from the dead. He himself, why? So that he himself will occupy the first place in everything. He will stand supreme and preeminent. When we fully understand that he is preeminent, that he's the guy who makes all the decisions, all we have to do is listen. And that, by the way, I've said this before, I will say it again, one of the reasons we read things like this in the Bible is because we don't normally do them. I don't read anywhere in God's word where it says when you get up in the morning, remember to breathe. I do that automatically. But I am told to praise him in the morning and the evening and the daylight and everywhere else too. But he is, we're told he is the firstborn from the dead. When he rose from the dead, nobody, nobody but him has risen from the dead and didn't go back. I have a, tell my this class this morning, I, I have this picture in my mind of the empty tomb and it says that the angel came and, and rolled the stone away and then sat on it. And I, God has a sense of humor. I can picture the angel sitting on this stone saying, why are you looking in there? He ain't there. I, with a grin this wide on his face saying, hey, look, people. The guy you're looking for in that hole isn't there. There's a I love gospel, southern gospel. And there's a great southern gospel song that says he, he occupied a barely used empty tomb. Uh, if you want to buy a tomb that isn't used very much, I, I can tell you where to go. 
For it pleased the Father, this is verse 19, it pleased the Father for all the fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, his essence, all his perfection, powers, and attributes to dwell permanently in him, the Son. What do you think God can do? But whatever you think God can do, that attribute belongs to Jesus too. So if he's the head of the church and he can do anything that God can do, what can he not do for you, for us? You know, we are very, very fortunate, I think, that we attend a church where he is the head, where his decisions are made based on what he said. I've been in a couple of churches. One of the great advantages in living to be 80 years old is you have all these personal stories behind you. But I've been in churches where he wasn't necessarily the head, where some of the decisions were made by man's intelligence. And that's always come up a little short. It pleased the Father for all the fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, Everything that the Father was, he said it pleased him to put it in the Son, to allow the Son to come to this earth. Once again, it amazes me that God would give up heaven for 33 years, for a day and a half. But he gave it up for 33 years and chose to come down here and live like I do. I was telling the class this morning, I'm, I was 30 years old before I accepted Christ as Savior. And uh, I was a sinner that whole time. Uh, he made it 33 years and never sinned. That says to me that in spite of the fact that I have all sorts of excuses for why I do wrong, uh, he has all of the reasons why I shouldn't. It's interesting to me, I, uh, I was there when my uh, second son was born. When my first boy was born, they didn't want the father anywhere near the hospital. But the second, when the second boy was born, they welcomed us in. And, and I discovered something. We do not come into this world with a grin on our face. He came into this world screaming and hollering, and he didn't care much whether the old man was ready to faint, whether mama hurt. didn't make any difference to him. We come into this world thinking only of ourselves. Christ came into this world, <laughs> came into this world thinking about us. It, he came into this world as a baby. A little helpless baby thinking about us. Does that sound like God to you? Thinking more about us? than we deserve. He himself will occupy the first place in everything. He will stand supreme and be preeminent. For it pleased the Father for the fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, all his perfection, powers, and attributes, everything that the Father is, the Son is. Paul says, listen, this is the guy who is the head of this body that we call the church. 
He's the guy that we need to listen to. He's the guy who has all the answers to all of our questions. He is the fullness of deity. And although, and I'm sorry, verse 20, and through the intervention of the Son to reconcile all things to himself. Did you ever notice that statement is a one-way statement? We do not reconcile to him. Glory! He reconciles to us. I wouldn't know how to. I wouldn't know how to approach God and say, how do you say I'm sorry to God? But I can say I'm sorry to the Son, who is God. There's a story in Job. I want to say it's a 38th chapter, but don't quote me on that. Job says, I wish there was a Davesman, a mediator, who could take my hand and take God's hand and bring us together. This is what Jesus has done. To reconcile all things to himself, making peace with believers through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, were the things on earth, the things in heaven. Because he paid a price. And because he loved me so much, I'm going to heaven. That, that's a statement that really, if you think about that for 30 seconds and it don't blow your mind, it said, <laughs> if that don't stir your soul, your spoon done fell out the dish. All of these things he made, he reconciled all things to himself, making peace with believers. He did it. And I have, and why would you then, why would you not want to listen to the guy who brought you to the Father and introduced you? <laughs> the last time I looked, uh, I couldn't make a world. And I suspect seriously that none of you can either. Uh, but he did. And that same God that made this universe is the God that Jesus says, hey, take my hand, I'll take his hand, and we'll come together. He reconciled us. Reconciled us to himself, all things, in fact, to himself, making peace with believers through the blood of the cross. Through him, I say, were the things on earth, the things in heaven. Is there anything that has not been made peace through Christ? I, I, according to that, if it's on earth or in heaven, it's made peace. And once again, we didn't do it. We had no... We, the only thing we can do is say, okay, thank you, God. He made peace. He reconciled all things to himself. Again, you can't do it. None of us can do it, but he did. Making peace to himself through the blood of the cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or in heaven, in verse 21. And though you were at one time estranged and alienated and hostile-minded toward him, participating in even things, 
How many of you have never sinned? <laughs> Rats of ruck, folks. Did you thank God this morning that uh, you had air to breathe? Did you think about that? Did you think that you uh, woke up on this side of the dirt? Did you thank God for that? All the things that God has done for us are present in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, he's the guy who runs the church. The elder board doesn't run the church. The pastor doesn't run the church. We may have some direction, but by the way, the direction comes from him anyway. Because if, if I ever tell you something that I think is right, shut me off. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, I don't know it, but he does. Well, all the stuff dwells in him. Through, through him, I say, he made peace through he, on, on earth and things in heaven. And although you were at one time estranged and alienated and hostile-minded toward him, participating in even things, we, we don't do things right all the time. But I can tell you this, the more you listen to the head, the more likely the body is to do what it's supposed to do. There are times when uh, at the end of a day, uh, especially if I've had one of those days where we have a lot of parts for heavy-duty trucks, uh, some of the brake shoes for a heavy-duty truck weigh as much as I do, I think. And at the end of the day, sometimes my body is pretty tired. And the body says, why don't you just go sit down somewhere? But the mind, the head, says, you know what, you got a job. There's things you got to do. And, and by the way, and you get this for free this morning, if you're doing it for God, whatever you do, if you're doing it for Christ, it's worth it. And it doesn't make any difference what the body says. Because the body's not in charge of that. The head is in charge of determining what your actions are going to be. Your head determines what your body's going to do. And the head of the church is Christ. And he's in charge of determining what the body of the Christ shall do. Even though you were at one time strange and alien, hostile-minded, participating in evil things, you are now reconciled to God. I'm telling you right now, that just amazes me. When When I think of the 30 years I wasted on this planet, trying to do things my way. Um, And then finding out that Jesus wakes up one morning in heaven. I I don't know if that's even close to being (laughs) feasible, but the point I'm trying to make. And says, I think I'll go down to earth. And thank you, Father, that's a great idea. I'll go down there and die on a cross. I can't imagine anything I ever did that would qualify me to be saved. And I suspect you guys are in the same position. But 
He says, even though we were at one time estranged and alienated and hostile-minded toward him, and even though we participated in evil things, he reconciled all things to himself. Verse 22, yet Christ has now reconciled you to God. You suppose Paul is trying to make a point there? I mean, he's repeated it twice in three verses. We are reconciled to God. His whole point in this book is that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, the one making the decisions. The first decision he made was to make me welcome in heaven. And you, if you know Christ as Savior. I, I want to think on that for just a minute. You're welcome in heaven. <laughs> Man. I, I cannot imagine one day seeing the Father. <laughs> that just blows my mind completely. You know, I, I suspect that if I went to uh, Washington, D.C. and said that I want to see the president, uh, I would be, at very least, escorted through a whole office full of underlings if I even got to see the president. But I'm welcome in heaven. I can go into heaven and talk to the Father. Wow. You suppose that this guy that Paul's talking about is qualified to make the decisions for me? This is Paul's point. He is the head. He's the one who should be making all the decisions. Each of us is a part of the body. We are the body, as Kim said earlier. And it isn't just inside these walls inside a lot of walls in this town. There are members of this body. And we have all been reconciled to God. Not by anything we've done. Not by anything we'll ever try to do. Because he's already done it. He has made us welcome in heaven. I suppose uh, years ago I... Uh, I ran for public office. I'll never do that again. But I, I ran for public office, and I met a lot of the people in town, all the muckety-mucks, you know. And I discovered something. I could walk into the mayor's office and say hello. Well, that's a very small hint of just how welcome I am in heaven because of his reconciliation of me to the Father. Christ has reconciled you to God in his physical body through death in order to present you before the Father holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Wow. This is the guy Paul says, he's the head. <laughs> he made me welcome in heaven. I, yeah, okay. You know, you, you, you can't even take that in. That just kind of, you know, no. 
He's the guy who makes the decisions. He's the head of the body. Yet Christ has now reckoned, this is verse 22, has reconciled you to God in his physical body through death in order to present you before the Father holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And verse 23, and he will do this. What an amazing fact. He will do this if you continue in the faith, well-grounded, steadfast, not shifting away from the confident hope that was a result of the gospel you occurred, which was preached in all creation under heaven, and Paul says, of which gospel I was made a minister. You know what? We're told in the Bible that we have the ministry of reconciliation. Our job is to tell people about Jesus Christ. If, I guess if I were Einstein, I would be somewhat proud of my brain. Uh, I'm not Einstein, by the way, in case you noticed. Uh, but I'm pretty proud of the head that I follow. The guy that said, uh, hey, you know what? I want you to meet the Father. And by the way, you can walk into his throne room. <laughs> you can walk into his throne room and say hello. Do you know that every time you talk to the Father, it's because Jesus has given you permission to do so? Well, looking at my watch. <laughs> Uh, one thing I learned a long time ago that uh, I, uh, well, I had the opportunity to be assistant pastor or kind of interim pastor for a while, for three months. I'll never do that again either. <laughs> never. But I, I, uh, I learned something that um, when you preach, you have to have three points. Otherwise, you apparently didn't graduate from seminary or something. I don't know. But, so I have three questions, and we're going to think about them. This passage we just read is one of this whole, well, the whole book, but this passage points out more than anything else why we need to follow Christ, who is the head, what he has done for us, and what he will continue to do. Three questions. How do you react to the fact that Christ built everything? How do you react to knowing the maker of the universe? How do you react to the fact that he made the universe, you didn't? Second question. Does he occupy first place in your life? That's a rough one, guys. It's an absolutely important question because if he's the head, if he's the one giving the orders, then he ought to be right there in first place letting you know what's going on. Third, how do we stay grounded in the faith? 
How do we stay solid in the faith in a world that is, I've heard it called a post-Christian world, and I don't think that's totally inaccurate. You know, all of this means absolutely nothing if you don't know Christ as Savior. If you're unsure about where you're going when you die, if you don't know that Jesus Christ has reconciled you to the Father. And by the way, head knowledge doesn't count. You need to know deep inside you that Christ has made you welcome in heaven, that he's forgiven your sins, that God has caused them as far as the east is from the west That's a necessity, guys. That's an absolute necessity. You have to know Christ as Savior. Father, once again, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have reconciled us by the blood of your cross. And Father, as we leave here this morning, help us to remember that you are the head. You're the one making the decisions. You're the one that gives us the power and authority on this planet to do what we need to do for you. And Lord, we will thank you forever in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Questions? I, I'm hopefully they're up there. I didn't... Uh, you know what I discovered when I'm standing up here? I can't see that screen at all. There's so many lights, it reflects off my glasses. So. <laughs> and I know that's up there, so I'm supposed to be able to read it and tell what's going on. But the questions are there. You have the opportunity to think about them and act on them. Thanks. Thank you very much, Jim.